Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan. I'm talking, walking and often swimming in this marvellous county, sharing news and views with fellow enthusiasts. So, come on in and join us. Hello, Susan here, Inside Yorkshire. Today I'm talking to Hannah Russell, who is an inspirational young lady. She's written 14 books. Her first book was published at the age of 17. She also promotes and supports several charities and is a young entrepreneur. So I'm just going to let her tell her story because it's not been without its ups and downs, but my goodness, she's come out the other side. You, you started at the age of 16 didn't you? Yeah, so it's um, it's been, I'm 25 now, so I always say to them, I'm getting on, and they're like, you're not getting on at 25, and what you're doing, um, but yeah, I started when I was 16, um, but I never imagined, well, really being an author, um, one day I actually failed English at school, which everybody always finds quite funny, and um, when they ask, like, did I want to be an author, and was I into, um, sort of the literature side of things at school and I wasn't um, I was more into sports and sort of like being outdoor and I loved geography but weirdly I failed geography so I don't know what happened there <laughs> so yeah I'm not really sure what happened but um, yeah I started when I was 16 so I was studying sports education at school with the hope of one day being a sports instructor or maybe working outside with horses or doing something at 16 it's very difficult to know what you want to do when you sort of get a little bit older and even in today's society it's still hard to know what you want to do um but when I was 16 I actually um fractured four vertebrae in my back and broke a couple of ribs um so it, I sort of had two sort of accidents as such it was more to start with I got a lot of pain when I was 16 in my back with I'm six foot now so I'm quite tall and I wasn't that height when I was um 16 and as I was growing a lot of people thought I had like growing pains as I was like growing um, but actually, I had a horse riding accident and quite a few of them. And then I went out kayaking one day and I fell underneath my kayak. But when I got home the next day, I knew like something wasn't right. Um, I ended up going into hospital for a couple of scans. And then they came back and said that I had one this in my lower back and four like fractured vertebrae, which would the thought it was from maybe one sort of accident had led to another or like impact over time. Um, so with sort of that news, I had to have a year off college for rehabilitation. So they put me on a rehabilitation program um, at the local hospital. So I left college for the year um, until I could figure out what I wanted to do as such. And I wasn't really enjoying college anyway at the time. Um, and that's when, funnily enough, little Alf came to live with me, who's my miniature Shetland. Um, and he came to live with me due to him having dwarfism really so he's 28 inches high so he's smaller than the average height of a Shetland pony and I snuck him in past my parents which people always think is funny <laughs> and it sort of seems to be a trend with me I always seem to bring these waif mysteries home um, but I found out that he needed a home and it was actually in December 2012 and it was just before Christmas and a lady in the local area, she said that she's got the Shetland pony and she's looking for a home for him. She said he was smaller than like the average size. And that intrigued me because she showed me sort of in comparison with her hands how big he was. And I thought a Shetland pony can't be that small. So I was intrigued. And I said, oh, I'd be really interested in coming to see him. 
So off I went with her in a car. I did know who she was. I wasn't getting into a car with a stranger. And <laughs> I went to see him and when I saw him, I just completely fell in love. He had like sort of dreadlocked hair. He looked like he belonged to like a hippie rock band. He was absolutely adorable. And I just thought, oh yeah, I have to have him. So we loaded him up in the back of her Land Rover and actually took him down to the field that I had in Spennyfawn. And um, I should have known then it was going to be trouble because as soon as I got him, I had three ponies as well at the time, three geldings, and Alf was a stallion. So as soon as he arrived, he was like, had his head switching up in the air and he was showing everybody who was boss and he was shouting his head off and he was going underneath the fencing and just causing trouble. Um, so I got him, I snuck him in on the 24th of December uh, 2012 when I was 16 years old. And then I had to do the big reveal to mum and dad the next day. I felt quite guilty going to bed that night with it being well, Christmas Eve. They didn't know. No, I didn't tell them. Um, so <laughs> dad was out with my brothers at football and my mum was doing some last minute Christmas shopping. So I managed to sneak him in without anybody knowing. Um, but the whole day of sneaking him in was just chaotic anyway, because he was causing trouble. I actually had to take him up to a friend's yard, which lived like just up, up the road from me because he wouldn't settle in the field that I had and he kept going underneath the fencing. Um, with him being so small. So I had to take him up to her yard so he was more secure for the night. So I said to my parents the next day, I said, oh, I've got something to show you. And I uh, mentioned who my friend was and said it's at her yard. And dad's like, I hope it's not another horse. I know I was mortified. I was like, oh dear. I was like, well, it is. <laughs> anyway, when, when dad actually saw him, he fell in love with him. He's, Alf seems to have this effect on people. Like he just was like, oh yeah, we have to keep him. So that was great. That worked on my behalf. And to be fair, at the time, I think mum and dad were, they knew I was at a bit of a loss. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I think the thought it would give me a new focus. And it, it really did. Like Alf came into my life when I needed a new focus. Um, and, you know, sort of it, both ways, Alf needed that extra loving care because he'd been rejected by herd and you know the new I think the herd he was with before me in the field they knew there was something not quite right with him like with his dwarfism so we both needed that sort of extra love and care so we he came into my life at the right time and you know as it as it's worked out I think it was meant to be definitely definitely um I know that you you started a blog I understand did yeah. you is that what got you going with yeah. the writing so because I got Alfie on the 24th of December, so on Christmas Eve, I actually got a camera for Christmas on the 25th, so the next day. And I knew I had the perfect model um, to take photos of and put, start like a little bit of a blog about him. And I've been thinking about starting a blog anyway about my life here in the Yorkshire Dales because I'm very like outdoor and adventure And um, sort of at the time, a lot of people were doing blogs and it was like all the thing. And it still is, people are very into sort of the social media. Um, so I started taking photos of Little Alf and I started putting them on um, social media and started a blog about him and I was writing about his daily activities and people were fascinated by how small he was and like his dwarfism and like his adventures he was getting up to and to start with it was like quite slow growing as these things go and um, over sort of the course of six months we were sort of getting into having like thousands of followers from all around the world so sort of six months going at it I was clicker training Little Alf which again is quite different a lot of people don't clicker train horses um, so I was learning oh. to play football and so you know, what, what is things. what is clicker training then so a bit a lot of people do clicker training with dogs it's quite common in sort of behavioral issues with dogs and other bits and bobs um but i was sort of fascinated by if you could do it with horses i'm very into like horses instincts and behavior anyway and going with what they believe is like the well what's their natural way and working with them and like sort of talking to them as a partnership rather than um sort of trying to overpower any sort of animal you know mm. it's a it's a working partnership you should never try and overpower anything and 
sort of when I got little Alf, we sort of had a bond from, you know, the first sort of few weeks together. He was always looking for me and winning in and when I was walking up and I was sort of, with him being so small and I couldn't ride him, I was sort of looking for things that we could do together. So I started off doing a bit of horse agility, which was good fun, but it was all, it was still having little Alf on a halter. So I was holding him and sort of making him go over the jumps. I didn't want to force him to go over anything like he didn't want to do or force him to play or be with me all the time. So I started to let him off and did quite a lot of horsemanship. Um, but then I noticed that we sort of needed like a positive reinforcement at the end of each sort of session or when he was doing something that I wanted him to do. Um, so I started to look into clicker training. So when he was like playing football or rolling the football, for example, I was clicking um sort of the, the clicker and then giving him a treat and he soon sort of caught on as animals are very intelligent and um <laughs> you know within sort of weeks he was playing football and that's clicking and rewarded him and then he puts his with him being so small he used to always and he still does it I'll show you later he puts his nose up and um, to look at me with you being smaller and I always ask him for a kiss and he holds his nose up and I kiss his nose and that was a click and a treat and that's that's not one of his party tricks he loves doing it in front of crowds he just stands there with his nose up she's <laughs> quite sweet and then he goes over jumps and um all them sort of things he loves learning and goes onto blocks and it, it was working with his instincts instincts because he's got such a cheeky nature anyway and at the time he was seven months so he was really playful and he wanted to play and learn new things he was inquisitive and um, so it was just learning with his instincts so clicker training now to me a lot of people see it on my social channels that I clicker train the sheep I clicker train the chickens I clicker train <laughs> the rabbits and again it's just all the same thing it's just working with with their instincts um but also i'm very much onto sort of like the partnership so it's about creating a partnership at the same time so does the clicker make a noise and then you give the cheat yeah so if i if i don't have the clicker which i often don't i lose them i just like literally click my tongue so i just go like and then give them a treat mm. um so and then you just give them like a, a treat but the i try and do it where i'm not giving them too much because obviously you don't want them to be getting the, the tea and the treats as well so mm. um it's just making sure they get the right the right amount of food mm. and stuff Right, and I know that then from the blog you wrote your first book, was that right? Yeah, so it was in 20, so in 2013, so the year after I got Alfie, his blog was growing and getting bigger and I was still at sort of a lull, I, like Alfie had given me a great focus so I didn't really know again what I wanted to do in my future. I was still getting a lot of pain like in my lower back so I decided to stay off uh, college for the the year after as well my parents are so surprised they said look don't go back if you're in pain because there's no point in like forcing your body um but also if you can't figure out like what you want to do just spend this time so they're really supportive in that in that way and I had I picked up three sort of jobs at the same time um so that was good and I was learning to drive but then I started to tell stories on Little Elf and on, I was putting on the blog like fictional stories like magical adventures of what we were getting mm. up to and things like that and they were getting longer and longer and I just thought oh, it'd be great to like write a little short story so I started one day and it sort of ended up being like a 12,000 word book and um, luckily I sort of know an author in Laban and which is like local to where I live and he spoke to me about self-publishing my books. I thought, oh, well, that would be a good route to go down to start with. And at the time, I just started volunteering at the Riding for Disabled Association over mm -hmm. at Catrick Saddle Club, um, which was really rewarding. I was doing my Young Equestrian Leadership Awards, so I'd started to look at things I could be doing with my spare time. So I'd started to do that because it was equestrian-based. And I thought, well, if I couldn't be a horse riding instructor or if I couldn't ride due to my injuries, then maybe I needed to go down a different path. Um, so I, I took the book to the children there at the club and they really enjoyed it. Um, 
So initially I self-published, mum and dad were like, what do you mean you wrote a book? They were like, I just brought it, literally I'd done it all in secret and I just brought it down one day, I did all the cover on myself and I just brought it down one day and uh, said to them, look I brought a book and they were like, what do you mean? And everyone was a bit like, why, she, why what she wrote a book for? Like why she wrote a book and like, can't believe she's wrote a book and like, what's she going to do with it? And with it being just self-published initially, I only ordered like 10 copies in and it was like friends. Just 10? Just 10, yeah, it was just friends and family because I didn't have... I didn't put them onto the website because I didn't have, um, like, I didn't know how to set up a shop website and stuff. So I literally just had them to the friends and family. So I sold a few, but like nothing like major, probably sold them 10 and I got a few more in. And I was working in a shop in Laban at the time, uh, which was called Quaint and Quirky. And I put them into the shop I was working at and a few people came in for them. And then I was um, in the dance in Stockton. So I ordered a quite, quite a few more. And then I put them on a vlog one day and I went out for the day, went off with the horses and stuff. And when I came back, I had loads of messages with people wanting to buy them. So about, I think I sold about 200 in like the first instance, which back then seemed like a lot. I was like over the moon with that. And because I really enjoyed the books and stories, mum and dad said, if you enjoy doing it, I was getting some really nice reviews in. They're like, if you enjoy writing the books and keep writing them. And because I had three jobs anyway, you know, I was sort of earning a bit of an income. So I decided to write another book on him so I wrote like the second book and then the third book now that was over the course of like thought it must have been two three years um so I think we, we you know we got Alf was getting a little bit older and we'd started to work with quite a few charities through our blog and his following was sort of getting up to 10 15,000 followers um and then when the third book was published we were featured in the Times paper in London and I went out for the day got the Times paper was absolutely over the moon and then I got home and I had an email from quite a few literacy agencies in London and they said look we love your story we love your blog please come down and meet us so I had to pick sort of one from the emails I had had five different emails um so I picked one which was a really friendly email and went down to meet them in London and they were really interested in taking on all the little half books and signing me up I didn't even know what a literacy agency was I think I was only like 19 at the time (laughs) and they said oh we'd love to um publish your true story on you because by this point I'd done quite a few bits and bobs with little half we'd they would love the story of how we'd come together and um, how like we were sort of meant to be. They loved how cheeky it was. Like Alf's always smashing garden ornaments and stuff. He's <laughs> literally ripped up daffodils in the village, and we've been fined for it and all sorts of cheeky behaviour. When I first got him, he ran into next door neighbour's garden and he ate all the vegetables from the garden. So there's quite a few <laughs> stories of little Alf which go around and how he's caused trouble over the years. So they loved the story of that and they wanted to publish his true story. And I was like, hmm, I don't know about this. I was like, publishing a true story. I was like, it's, you know, an autobiographical account, 75,000 words. I was like, well, like, we're not that interesting. <laughs> but they, they <laughs> thought we were, so that was great. And uh, we set off and wrote that. And that was published in 2017. And when that was published, um, that was a bestseller on Amazon, like an instant bestseller. And we actually launched it down in Birmingham. And within sort of like five hours, we'd sold like thousands of copies, which was amazing. But to get to that point, you know, over the years, we'd worked really, really hard to sort of establish the little half as a brand and stuff. Um, so that really put us in sort of, I knew then like that was what I wanted to do as a career. Like mm. I wanted to be a full-time author and writer. And uh, little half was getting a lot more well-known sort of around the world. Which was great. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> now you've you've written fourteen books, yeah, haven't you? So this year my fourteenth book came out and I've got one coming out next month as well. So 
um, that would be great. And I've got another three coming out, so I've got quite a few published by the end of the year, which I'm excited about. So I've got 14 published. Um, I think I've got 12 on Little Alf. I've got some for under fives published now. So I've gone off down like of doing other stories as well. Um, and I've also got a teenage fictional book published, which is called The Travel Girl. Um, and I'm going to do a series of books sort of for teenagers as well. Mm, right. And I, I did, um, I understand that you've started illustrating yeah, so slowly Yourself. away. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's always like, well, my mum especially has been like pushing me to do like a few more illustrations. She's always like, they're really, really good, Hannah. Do some, do some more, do some more. Like it's something I've done over the years, but I've always focused on my writing and I always feel like other people's are like better. But it's really strange because with the little Alf sort of business journey, it's been eight years since my first book was published, which is scary. Um, but with the little Alf business journey as such, I've just learned so much from it over the last eight years. Like I was thinking yesterday, I can't explain how much I've learned just from like my little pony like he teaches me so much but as a business so just like purely sort of for a business business example I used to sort of put a lot of money into my websites for example and I used to work with companies all around Yorkshire to try and sort of establish get up in Google ranks get up sort of up there but what was missing from the website we weren't sort of getting the sales that I was sort of reaching compared to like statistics on my um, social media channels and I was like something's not quite right here so last year about sort of eight months ago I redesigned my whole website myself and put it on one of these like sort of really quick and easy servers so I illustrated a lot of my own website now and put that live and then within sort of uh, must have been two weeks we had 80% profit on our sales which was more than like the last eight years and that was just amazing and what it is is it's actually me putting myself into the brand more and someone said to me last year week it's your personal touch which people love people love that it's your illustrations love that it's, it's you you know what you want for your brand and it, it is so true so over eight years I finally learned that I actually need to uh, get a bit more involved in like my illustrations and that side of things because it's the creativity that's in my head that go with the words that are in the books um and I'm starting to really understand that now so I think it's just confident like you know people would think I'd be really, really confident but it's actually just put it's putting yourself out there a bit more and just like you know if people are going to judge then <laughs> it doesn't matter so it's just a confidence thing really but yeah I have started to do a lot of illustrations I do really enjoy it it's being creative with your mind and it's sort of something that's very peaceful as well which I enjoy mm. doing yes definitely and um well Im impressive Hannah impressive <laughs> it's not only the entrepreneur business that you that you do you also support a lot of charities don't you yeah so I'm um, like I feel that if you've got a following I social media I've got two opinions on it so it's great but if you have to use it in the right way um so to me to have like my social media it has to be used in the right way it has to be used in a way that if you do have a big following then you can either help other out others out you can raise awareness or um do some sort of cause with it yourself or you know do some sort of projects and i love getting involved with charities because it's so rewarding and it's great to see that you can actually impact and help like a lot of other people's and animals lives like to me it's about the animals so i'm ambassador for the brook charity action for working horses donkeys and mules and i actually went to east africa to see their work in action mm. in 2019 which was absolutely fantastic it was amazing just to see the work that the brook charity to do it is so rewarding um and then i love rhinos um so i'm invested for helping rhinos um great charity there the founders of it simon he's, he's amazing and the work that they do each year is just fascinating how many rhinos lives are saved is just unbelievable and then my really new one is uh, wild welfare so they 
help animals who are like are in zoos to make sure that they get like five freedoms and make sure that they get all the care and attention that they need. Um, so to me, it's like being on social media, it's like being a voice for animals as such and like helping them. Um, and also that's really rewarding for me at the end of the day. Like I've run sort of charity events with the Rook Charity before and we've raised three, four thousand pounds for charity, which is great. And you know that that's going to go over and help sort of like thousands of donkeys, which is great. Um, and it's again, it's like helping rhinos. I've got a brand um, which helps, um, it's sort of a clothing brand, organic, and it, that helps, um, it's called Wildlife Wear. Wildlife Wear. Yeah, yeah. so that helps, um, the money from that goes to help helping rhinos, and it helps like rhinos each year, and mm. other animals around the globe, so that's good fun. And currently with our welfare, what I'm doing is I'm sort of just getting involved with campaigns online, so that's great, but it all works really, really well together. Mm. This this sounds like it would be it's been a smooth ride, but I know it hasn't for you, no, has it? You've you've like, had a really hard few years always, most recently. It's yeah, I it's really strange because I sort of when I sort of come out of my story, I go and do a lot of public speaking. It sounds like it's been a breeze. I know, <laughs> but it's it, the last eight years has been so up and down. Like not only do you face you know anyone. Anyone who's got a business, it's it's a challenge. You know, you, you face challenges, whether it's like your bills, whether it's like finding a balance, whether it's finding out what works, that's a huge challenge in itself. So mm -hmm. actually having the guts to go out there and, you know, have a business, like you can take your hats off and like, you know, clap mm -hmm. anybody because it's amazing. Anyone's successful for giving it a go. Yeah, you know, the people who aren't the successful ones, the people who, who didn't give it a go as such. But yeah, certainly in the past three years for me, like trying to, I was diagnosed with cancer um, must have been two and a half, three years ago now. And uh, that was like one of the most challenging times that I have ever gone through because it was just like, I had my businesses that were, they were going really, really well and they, do, they are doing really well. But it was just like, you don't expect to have such, it, sort of the age I was at, 22, 23, you don't expect to have that impact on your life that, you know, your life goes on hold. But I'm not, like, I'm just not grateful for having it, but I'm grateful that it's in a sense I've come out in a way from it that I've learned that life's too short not to do what you want to do. So now I like, live every day completely different, and I actually have been remodeling my entire life in the last year. And uh, yeah, it, it was a challenge, but um, we've come out of it like a, a lot better, and uh, we've we've learned a lot. So <laughs> that's good. But we got remission in January, which is great. So it's like onwards and yes. upwards now. So from now on as well, I understand that you also support sarcoma. Yeah, so, cancer, don't you? Yeah, so sarcoma cancer, it's a, it's a cancer that's not really known. And I didn't even know what it was. I mean, I started to lose weight. I mean, how I was diagnosed, I started to lose weight. I didn't really know what was wrong as such. Felt really, really tired. I felt that. And it's unlike me, I'm an early starter. And, you know, I'm up in the morning. I felt really sort of sluggish. I was going out running, but I was losing loads of weight. I ended up losing two stone and just felt so poorly. And I had this pain in my right hip. Now, initially, the doctors and sort of experts thought it was down to my old injuries with having a fractured vertebrae previously and going out running. I thought I was like impacting it. So I stopped running, but the pain was still there. I thought, oh, this isn't right. So I ended up going to the doctors and they sent me for a scan. And I got diagnosed not long after the scan, it was like the day after, um, on a Wednesday, and they said, you've got stage three sarcoma cancer in your hip. 
and then I had the operation the following Monday and this was at the start of sort of Covid so it's when nobody was allowed in so that was a big thing as well because like, my parents were allowed in so and no visitors no visitors so yeah oh, I went in for the operation and then, major operation and yeah. no visitors oh it was just yeah it was just so it was so scary um and yeah it was it was really challenging time and you know, one day I was sort of fine. The next day I woke up with like 36 stitches down my side of my hip and was like, what has gone on here? Um, and in one sense, I suppose like now looking back and stuff, even like body image, it's made a huge image, like a huge difference to me on that because, you know, it, it doesn't matter like what size or how many scars you've got. It doesn't define you as a person. Um, and like, you know, even like learning them challenges and like learning them things, it's all been a learning curve. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm still here. We're still like getting up every day and doing stuff. And doing what I enjoy which is great so the sarcoma um sort of helping them as a charity that came about sort of after I got diagnosed I wanted to do something that I could help them and raise awareness for them because there's quite a few patients which I knew which were in there and who sadly died like sort of over the course when I was there and it, it was awful and heartbreaking to see so I wanted to do something where I could give money back through like sort of my following if people wanted to buy a t-shirt um, or an item so I designed actually a sunflower, it's a sunflower yeah, yeah so I've sunflowers are actually my favourite flower which is strange so I designed a sunflower and I put it onto um, t-shirts and coasters and a few products and all the profits from the sales go to Sarcoma UK um, so we've raised quite a bit now and I need to do actually a total up but we're into a couple of thousand and also um, some of the artwork that I've been producing recently I've been selling um, and the funds have been going to that because that to me is just a hobby so yeah that's mm. No, and the the clothing. It's um. Well, can you just explain more about the the clothing that you actually produce? Yeah. So any clothing that I do, so any brand I've got, whether it's um wildlife wear, whether it's a sarcoma charity, whether it's another brand for sort of um anything I do, it's all organic. It's all made in the UK. Um, it ships sustainably. We print on demand, so we're, we're doing it on like sort of the mm. ethics basic of being eco. Um, it's kind to the environment, so yeah, it's great. So when people order, they know that it's um, it's not like impacting on the environment. No, that's that's really good. Now then, also, if, well, just like to talk about the um, you've you've been recently to the Shetlands. I yeah, understand that was about Shetland. Yeah. Was, was is this for a film? So the reason that I wanted to go, so I've not really sort of revealed too far yet of why I was there, but the reason I, I've always wanted to go um, to the Shetland Islands and the, the reason I wanted to go is because I wanted to see lots of Shetland ponies. And that's mm. it. So I did it off my own back. I was like, I want to go to Shetland ponies. I want to see, I want to go to Shetland Islands and see what's around, what it's about and how many Shetlands there is there. So after being poorly, I was like, right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Shetland Islands. So I took my mum with me and off we went and we did um, quite a lot of videoing, did a lot of photography and the idea of it behind it is I'm doing a huge campaign this September which is we're going to call Shetland September and I'm working with quite a lot of big influencers, there's like a short film coming out um, and there's also a lot of brands working with it and what it is it's about the history of the Shetland ponies, raising awareness about Shetland ponies and what an impact they've made in today's society because people don't realise and Unfortunately, sort of two, three years ago, there was a lot of Shetlands going into sort of the charities and a lot were going to slaughter and people didn't want them anymore and people were just seeing them as grass eaters. But actually the impact they've made, you know, they used to be the pit ponies and go out and help the workers. And when I was over there, it was just so inspiring because the stories of how the Shetlands helped the 
the people who were working in the mines was just unbelievable and even if one of the mines was going to cave in the Shetlands knew so they would stop and they'd back up and they knew so they'd all get out quickly and then they'd, they'd like cave in so it was like from their instincts that they knew that so they saved thousands of lives um, but also I think because Little Alf like means so much to me what we're trying to do throughout the month is highlight how Shetland ponies have made an impact and how great they are for whether it's therapy, whether it's riding ponies, uh, whether it's just seeing them like in the field. So it's going to be a great month. Um, I've actually just had a lot of meetings about it this week and like what's going to come about it. And there's laws, like I said, there's quite a lot of big celebrities getting involved with it. So that's going to be a good one. Who have their own Shetland ponies? So there's going to be films and footage and festivals and all sorts going on. So yeah, I'm really excited to see that happen. So where where will the festivals be So held? a lot of it, we're actually doing it sort of online, um, but we are going to be working with a horse festival, which is based in New York, and they're going to be highlighting it as well, which is mm. which is going to be fun. I am going to be doing a couple of uh, public speaking events about it as well in Yorkshire, where people will be able to book tickets, um, and that's coming out shortly, and they'll be able to watch all the footage and everything that I got up to when I was there. And where would people be able to find the so information they can go about this? my website. So if you just go onto a uh, search engine and put www.hannahlittlealfandfriends.co.uk in, um, you'll find it from there. Mm. Right, so plenty going on then, yeah, and you're all, <laughs> and you're also launching another clothing. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> month I know just to add to the mix. Uh, so next month, so June Saturday, the eleventh of June, Wild and Country is coming out. Um, Wild and Country is sort of a brand which I've been working on for about twelve months. Um, so I actually qualified in the last four years as an interior designer and work, I've worked on quite a lot of projects here in the Yorkshire Dales and I often find my inspiration comes from the Yorkshire Dales, the outdoors, the colours, whether it's the heather on the moors, whether it's the, the rolling hills and the green. Um, so a lot you see in a lot of my interiors that I draw and paint a lot of stags and hares, um, pheasants and they go onto wallpaper and cushions and sort of around 12 months ago I started to think well they would look quite nice on clothing, like the organic clothing and the stuff that, you know, because when I was going outdoors, like I'm into my fly fishing, I love playing pigeon shooting, I love going off for long walks. And um, I was putting it onto like my sweatshirts and people started to say like, where's that from? Like, where is this from? And I was like, oh, it's just what I've designed myself. And then my mum started wearing it and then a few of my friends started wearing it. And I just kept buying people the odd bit, bits and pieces. Um, and then I thought, well, it'd be quite good to establish a brand, but if I was going to do it, I wanted to do it right. I didn't want to launch it 12 months ago and just do it like there and then. Um, you know, when I launch anything, I do a lot of research into it and put like quite a lot of background into it. So um, I've been working on that sort of uh, maybe more actively in the last eight months and producing all the colours and bringing it together. So I've got a big interview actually, which comes out on Saturday 11th with a country magazine. So they're interviewing me about that and they've got a big four page feature, but people have been signed up now for um, pre-orders online, which is worldandcountry.co.uk. Um, if you want to find out more and sign up and then the launch is next month. So, so that's the 11th of June. Yeah, the 11th of June. So I'm wow. excited about that. So <laughs> it feels really close now. I said yesterday to myself, it's like maybe I've left it a bit short. Like <laughs> there's a lot going on with it and there's a lot of interviews and there's a lot of things like still to establish with the website but it'll all come together as things always do and you know it's one of them you always learn from it so if, if there mm. is a small hiccup or a challenge then I'll learn from it for the future. 
Wow, you you don't um, waste any time, do you, really? (laughs) I think things like what I've done over the years, it's all come together. I think everything's happened for a reason, and I learn a lot sort of as I go along. Like, Mm. that is what life's about, isn't it? It's learning. Every day's Mm. a school day, as I say, and you you do keep learning. Um, But I enjoy everything I do, and I am very outdoor and adventurous, so the brand goes in very well with, like, my Hannah Laugh and Friends. It goes in well with sort of my lifestyle of being outdoor. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it coming out. No, that that's great. We'll be watching for you, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> now then, I I did just want to um, ask you a little bit about the all the animals. You've got a fair menagerie here, haven't I know, you? I've got more coming as well. <laughs> Have you? Well, I'm. I know the. Um, how am I pronouncing this correctly? Valet. Yeah, Valet Blacknose Black sheep. Yeah, the they are so cute. In the village where I live, um, one of my neighbours has two boys, right. but they're neutered boys. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you've got girls, I understand. Yeah, so Izzy and Ida. Um, so again, this was one of them things. I did BTEC Agricultural at college and school. Um, and instead of science, because I loved animals and I thought one day I might work with animals, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and then over like the last eight years, I've always thought, oh, you know, I'd love to get some sheep eventually and have my own little flock and breed from him and build it up and blah, blah, blah. And I saw the Swiss sheep. I'd been out skiing. I'd been over to Austria and sort of all around the area skiing in Switzerland. And I saw them on a poster. I thought they're gorgeous. I thought, what kind of sheep are they? And it worked out that the Valley of Black No Sheep. And this was about four years ago. And then weirdly, I kept buying paintings of them, which are in the house, and I've had them for years. Um, And I kept thinking I'd love my own. Then when I was poorly, I was like, right, I'm getting two sheep. I was like, you know, life's too short. I need to get two sheep. So I took my money out of my mortgage money (laughs) and bought two sheep. I said to mum, I'm not saying for a house anymore. I'm off to buy two sheep instead. (laughs) She's like, right. (laughs) So she's not getting rid of me yet. Um, So I ended up buying these two Valley Black No Sheep and I called them Izzy and Ida and they've been the best thing I've ever done. I mean, during, I got them when I was still having a a little bit of radiotherapy and just sitting in the fields with them was so therapeutic and they were lambs at the time. Um, So they were just coming up to me and we were learning to like be together and they were just like sitting next to me. And then I started to really see the personality. So I was like running across the field and they were running after me and jumping up and down. And then I thought, oh, I should start clicking training them so I did you know going over jumps running around the field learning to sit learning to stand the block and they absolutely love it and one of their recent videos got 61 million views on that and like people <laughs> go like crazy over them and they are fantastic they've such got such huge personalities and people say to me online like I can't believe you click your training like I never knew that you could do this with sheep and I was like well every animal's got a personality you mm. can do effectively what you want with them as long as you're working in partnership um so yeah Izzy and Ida are down there they're sort of ready to be sheared um they get sheared by Annalisa every six months um and I've actually booked a shearing course so I can learn to do it myself but hopefully um next year I'm gonna have my own lambs from them as well Mm, I saw that I mean it's a rare breed isn't it yeah so they are rare breed sheep so what I'm looking to do is I can't imagine ever selling them but I am gonna go to like show them and things um and just I've just actually signed up to be part of the Valley Black Nose Society and we are looking to set up a group here in Yorkshire um so I've actually put my name forward to be like the head of the group um and it's just great to educate people and knowledge you know you don't want to just go out and buy them because that's the thing that I say sort of on my social media channels like Little Alf and the animals they're all great but they are a big responsibility so it's not mm. encouraging people to just go out and buy like a valid black no sheep because you know you need to know about what they need and you know sort of make sure that they get everything so you know it's great so hopefully you know that you can educate inspire and sort of help people. Mm. 
definitely. Now then, run through the rest of your your animals then. (laughs) When I always get put on the spot, I always think, right, what do I have? (laughs) So I've got the two ballet black nose sheep, which are Izzy and Ida. Mm -hmm. I've obviously got little Alf, who's um, down in the field, and Pepper, his best friend Pepper. So Pepper's also miniature Shetland. Um, So he is little Alf's best friend, but he is bigger than Alfie. So you can see the sort of the size difference when you're with them. Um, I've got Paddy, who's like a gypsy banner cob. Um, So he's a black and white big cob. Um, He's actually blind in his left eye, so he's a little rescue, but he's lovely. I've got two rabbits, Bumble the Bunny and Muffles. Um, I've got seven chickens down there, all clucking about. And I've got three dogs and I've got the fish. Um, So I don't know how many fish I've got now, but I've got quite a few fish. And then next month, I've been saying to everybody very shortly, I'm, you know, this big reveal, I've got some pets joining me next month and um, I'm happy to stay on this. So I'm getting three goats next month, three pygmy goats. Oh, so, they are cute. Yeah, so they're adorable. So I can't wait to get them. And hopefully, eventually, I'm currently um, down at a bird of prey centre and I'm actually at university doing bird of prey biology anatomy because I've got this huge love for birds of prey. Um, so hopefully, eventually, I will be able to get my own bird of prey as well. Once In a few years, I won't do it for quite a while because I want to make sure I've got enough knowledge um, when I do get one so that's another plan for the future I know <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love animals though you can learn so much from them they're our greatest teachers I always say yes well yes would you would you say then that some of some of your skills are inherited from your parents because I know your mum's very creative and I, th- I believe your dad too yeah so I would say that like most of how I think I'm very much like my dad and my mum to be fair like, they're both very equally uh, creative it's like I think I get my creative flair from the pair of them so my dad's um, a very good businessman and so his mum's a very good businesswoman so they've actually got their own electronics business which is a very successful company um, and I sort of saw that throughout like growing up I saw how hard they were working you know working the early mornings working the late nights and when I got into my teens when I was sort of 13 I started to work for mum and dad's company on a night so to help them um, make these electronic cables and all sorts for buses um, but then mum mum has like ME so it's a bit like chronic fatigue and then about four years ago she started painting one day like completely out of the blue like nobody like knew like she was into art or arty at all and she just started painting and she said that she'd really like to give painting a go and so dad bought her an acrylic art set and she didn't know what to paint um, and it was actually dad again who said well paint a cow you know living in the Oxydales as those cows so she painted a cow and it was really good, very quirky, very vibrant, but like lovely. It was absolutely amazing. And we were all like fascinated. We're like, she's never done it before. Like, how has she just gone off and painted a cow? So she did. And then she painted another one, another one. And at the time I was going with my social media and still am. But so I started taking photos of mum's work and putting it on social media. And again, like people wanted to buy it. So it spiraled from there really. And very shortly she had a brand. So mum's brand's called Quick Cows now. And she paints like very colourful characters. She's painted the ballet back no sheep. She's painted Little Al. She's painted all of my animals, um, which is a very popular like merchandise range. Um, so yeah, mum's very, very talented. But again, to mum, she's probably one of our biggest inspirations because she's been through sort of her own challenging times and seeing mum get up every day and like continue and like just being such a bright and bubbly person. Like, that is so inspirational because even if she's feeling tired or she's not quite 100%, she's always there putting everybody else first. So she's a great inspiration to so many. Although she does like to hide behind a canvas. So I'm the one who has to go around trying to take photos of her work. I'm like, come on, mum, you need to get out there a bit more. I was like, your work's amazing. But mum's like, she'll rarely, she'll rarely, we'll be seeing sort of with her artwork. And I do do the odd like um, showing for her where people come up and do when she product launches and stuff. But 
I don't know, she really enjoys the day. She often like, stands behind a canvas and I'm like, this is my mum, who's the artist. <laughs> um, so she is very creative and uh, the work she produces, I don't even know how she thinks of them all and she names all of her animals that she paints. So that's brilliant. Mm. And my dad, yeah, he's equally as creative. So he sort of during lockdown and just before lockdown started crafting and working with local wood. Um, so he kept looking at resin tables and he, he thought he'd love one for himself. So he did a coffee table and then with me being into the interior design, I showed someone I was doing an interior design project for. I said, oh, we'd love one in the Holder College. So you ended up doing one for them. And then that's how that grew, like a lot bigger. Um, so dad crafts the um, epoxy resin tables and they're so popular. We've got a dining table up in the kitchen of one and they're amazing. Again, I don't know how he does it. And it's something that he's never done before. He's always been crafty. He's very good with his hands at things outdoors, but he's never produced anything like that before. And stunning, they're so nice. So basically, the um, the idea from all of that is, if you want to have a go at trying something, then do it. Yeah, I suppose give it a go. <laughs> I mean, like, what are you? What? Why not? Like, you're just going to regret the chances you didn't take. And again, like, you've been successful for trying it in the first place. Like, just give anything a go that you want to do. Or if you've had a dream, just go for it and start small, and then that's how you grow big. And life's too short not to. Yeah, exactly. Life's <laughs> too short not to do the things, and it's it's too short not to enjoy it. It's also too short to spend your whole life working. So you have to just go out there and, and do the things you want to do because life's too short. You don't know what's around the corner. No, definitely not. And uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, things are picking up for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. I'm a lot better now, which is great. And like this year, especially, I've sort of been focusing very much on my books and my brands, um, the brands I've got coming through now. Mm. Uh, so Wild and Country, Hannah Little Elf and Friends and Wildlife Wear. And again, I help them with the Quirky Cows. So all of them, um, they're, they're doing really, really well. I'm really pleased with them. I've got sort of big aspirations for them all. I uh, sort of know where I'm going with them now. Um, I've got more books coming out this year and another autobiography coming out next year. Um, Little Al's following is just growing every day. It's going a lot more international now, which is great. Like each month, our statistics are getting millions of views, which is crazy because, you know, we're just a little small hole in here in the Oxdales and, you know, I'm a very normal person. So it's a bit <laughs> mad to think that all these people love to follow us and see what I go up mm. to, but at the same time, it's, it's lovely. Well, I feel very privileged because you're going to let me meet some of the animals yeah, now, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, I'll go down and meet them next year. They're lovely. <laughs> no, that's great. So where will people would people find you then? On Mainly on social media, yeah, the website? So I would, social media, Hannah Little and Friends, pop that in and you'll be able to find us. All of our brands are linked into one anyway. So you can, you know, from one page you can find us. I make sure of that. Um, but yeah, if you type into a search engine, com, you'll be able to find the website and everything about mm. us on there. And on other social media channels, that's all LinkedIn, is it? Yeah, so then it's like there's Wild and Country and Wildlife Wear. But if you pop both them business names into a search engine, you will be able to find us very easily. Okay, and your books are for sale on Amazon, did you yeah, say? Yeah, so they're on Amazon. They're in most Waterstones um, and sort of bookshops. If you do ask for them, most people can order them in. But they are usually in most Waterstones. Um, but again, if you want them signed, you better to order them from the website. Right, so you sign them from the... Yeah, yeah. so the ones that are shipped from um, Hannah Laugh and Friends, they're shipped from um, our offices, so they're signed and shipped. Mm, definitely. So that's... Uh... That's a plus, isn't it, to have yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> the, the, personal, the personal touch. Yeah, that's it. It's like just the personal touch. And we put pops and leaflets and things in usually as well. Great, great. Well, thank you very much, Hannah. I really enjoyed the chat. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so this is Susan signing out now from Inside Yorkshire. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please rate and review it so that I know what you like the best. If you want to get in touch with me, you'll find my contact details in the show notes. 
Also, don't forget to follow or subscribe so that you don't miss the next episode. Until next time then, this is Susan signing out from inside Yorkshire.